Mother's Day. I am so thankful for, <laughs> this sounds funny saying it, the women in my life. Um, what I mean, obviously, <laughs> is for my wife and for my mom and my, my grandmother who's still alive and, of course, my other grandmother who's, who's now with Jesus. But, and mother-in-law, absolutely. Oh, good thing she's not here today. Woo! Yes, it is recorded. Let's not put this message on the website. How could I forget sweet Chloe? Yeah, so just so blessed. And yesterday we were uh, able to go watch my brother. He graduated from seminary at Ashland yesterday. It was a huge day for our family. And talk about perseverance, getting through seminary. And the speaker there was a fantastic speaker. And he was, and he's, you know, now just achieved so much and went to grad school at Harvard, is on World Vision's board, has written books, he's a professor, you know, he speaks all over the place and has just done wonderful things. And he talked about how he grew up on, a, on the really, he said, on the really bad side of Baltimore. But then he said, that's redundant, me saying that, because I guess uh, well, there are a lot of places in Baltimore, Baltimore are rough places. But his mother, she worked 20 hours a day, six days a week. Can you imagine that? Like, how do you do that? And I've often said, you know, as we're raising our kids, how do single mothers, how do they raise kids? We've had so much help, and I'm just amazed by mothers that really don't have much support. They're out of state from their family, you know, and wow. But anyways, so this mother worked 20 hours a day, six days a week, and she has five knees is what she said on each leg and what he meant was they were like that because she spent I guess her only four hours the the rest of her time or at least a great deal of it praying for her four children that her kneecap has actually started to like break in in pieces so and it just, it just spoke to me about how blessed we are, those of us who have had mothers that have prayed for us. And that is the most powerful thing that you will ever do for your children, is pray for them. And her prayers have been answered. Her four, son, our four children are just doing fantastic things uh, for God. And so we're just... just yeah, so thank you mothers, keep doing what you're doing, but I'm guessing there are probably some mothers here today that are worn out and tired, amen, can I get an amen from someone, and you're almost one, like you're, you're growing weary of doing good, right, and so today we're going to be looking at a story, one of the most famous stories in all of the Bible, it's Daniel in the lion's den. And what I'm going to focus in on is Daniel's faithfulness. And so there's the scream that I was looking for, Emery. <laughs> she is a trip. I was holding her yesterday at my brother's party, and I was going, she was going, Bruh! 
And I go back, I do it back to her, and her face was getting just so red from doing it. It was great. I loved it. But anyways, Daniel has something to tell us about faithfulness. So let me pray. I'll read the passage. We're going to be camped out in Daniel 6, and then we'll see what, what We'll see Daniel's faithfulness, and I'm praying that it will encourage you mothers especially, and all of us, uh, to remain faithful to God, even when we're faced with life's lions. So let's, let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have brought us here this morning. Lord, we're here simply because of your grace and mercy. Without it... We would be in a world of hurt, but because we have it, many people in this room that have placed their faith in you are experiencing renewal, experiencing transformation, experiencing an energy at work in them that they've never had before. We thank you for that. Thank you that you preserved your word for us, that we're able to look at it and glean from it so that it can feed our souls. Lord, and I pray that this morning, that our hearts and minds would be open to what you want to speak to each and, each and every one of us. I'm always amazed at how your word is so alive and so active that it can use one chapter of the Bible to speak uniquely to a room full of people. It's just amazing. We ask for you to do that this morning. You know what each of us is struggling with. You know what is what we're struggling with that's causing us to just grow weary. You know how we're struggling to be faithful, Lord. Give us what we need to continue in our faithfulness this morning. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. All right, so I'm going to read uh, chapter 6 of Daniel here. If you're following along, on the screen, you can follow that way, or if you want to follow along in the Pew Bible, it's on page 1027. And of course, it's long, but just like the story last week, I couldn't find a way to really shorten it. And so, let's just read the whole chapter. So tune in, I know, and I've said, I said this last week, you, you have a lot of things going on in your life, I'm sure, and you're going to be tempted to want to tune out, but I'm encouraging you to stay focused. Uh, to stay tuned in here. So let me read it. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault, because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted, a, consulted together to establish a royal statute 
and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Now, when Daniel knew what, that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, That Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you. O king, and for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So the king gave the the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel may not be changed. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury, whatever was found on him, because he believed in his God. And the king gave the command, and they brought those men who had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives. And the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Then King Darius wrote, To all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. 
I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed. In his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues, and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. All right. Um, Here are the three things that we're going to focus on from this passage this morning. Daniel's faithfulness was salty. Daniel's faithfulness didn't have an expiration date. Daniel's faithfulness was tried and tested. Daniel's faithfulness was salty, didn't have an expiration date, and it was tried and tested. First, let's look at Daniel's faithfulness was salty. So Jesus, in his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, that's recorded in Matthew 5 and 6, and I think it, there's parts of it in 7, he, he taught his followers that, hey, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. Now, out of all the things that Jesus could have used as a metaphor to describe his followers and their role in the world, he chose to use salt and light. Why did he choose to use salt and light? Well, you need to know that in the ancient world, which was absent of refrigeration, the way that people preserved meat was they used salts. For you uh, science geeks in the room, this is why they use salt. Check this out. Salt inhibits the growth of microorganisms by drawing water out of microbial cells through osmosis. You just got a lot smarter in like one second right there, didn't you? It's generally considered that about a 20% salt concentration on the surface of the meat is needed to kill off most types of microbes and fungi that can spoil food quickly. So, salt did that thing, and it was then able to preserve the, the, the meat. But first, before salt could preserve meat, it had to first penetrate the meat. So salt, what it does is it penetrates and preserves food. Also salt, it makes things taste better, doesn't it? Uh, Some would argue, based on their taste buds, that everything tastes better with salt. Daniel's faith was a salty faith. You know why? Because Daniel, he believed that for him to be faithful to God, it meant that he must penetrate the Babylonian culture, and he must preserve the parts of it that were good, and he must seek to transform the parts of it that were bad and ugly and evil. You know, um, Daniel... He was, if, if you don't know his backstory, and th- we've been working through the book in, in, in our sermon series, but Daniel, if you, you may recall, around 15 years old, he was 
taken out of his homeland. So the Babylonian kingdom came and conquered Jerusalem where Daniel was at. They, you know, destroyed the most important structure and the most important city of the, the Jewish people, which was the temple where God's personal presence dwelt. Took Daniel and some of the other uh, officials and, and people of the, 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 the Israelites, the Jewish people, took them to Babylon, the city of Babylon, 900 miles away. And there Daniel was forced into learning just a really demonic pagan curriculum so that he could serve in King Nebuchadnezzar's court, the king of Babylon. And here, that's where he found himself. And what we, what we see in Daniel is he's this guy that's living in a land that's not his home, living amongst just a really evil empire with a really insane, evil king that he is being forced to serve. And we find him living out his faith by being salty. He's penetrating the culture. He doesn't sit back and say, hey, I'm not going to serve and love these evil people. No, he penetrates into the culture, and he works to preserve it and to transform it. You see, Daniel knew what Jesus taught long before Jesus taught it. He knew that that's what God wanted from his people, he knew what the prophet Jeremiah had said to the rest of the Israelite people who were forced to live in Babylon. Check this out. Jeremiah 25, 29, 5 and 7 says this to the Jewish exiles in Babylon. He says, build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit, take wives and beget sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. Daniel took those words to heart. No doubt Daniel prayed for the city he was in. He sought the, the peace of the city by working the, to make the city as great as it possibly could become. It didn't matter who the king of Babylon was. Remember, when Daniel first got to Babylon, it was King Nebuchadnezzar. And then after King Nebuchadnezzar, it was King Belshazzar in chapter 5. And now after Belshazzar in chapter 6, we have Daniel serving the Persian and Medes, the king of the Persian and Medes, that, that king, Darius, here in chapter 6. Daniel was there no matter who was in charge, humbly and lovingly serving. In fact, he did this so well that Darius, he appointed him as one of the three governors over the whole kingdom. And then we read in, in chapter 6 that, that Darius wanted to put Daniel in charge of the entire kingdom. And you need to hear this morning that like Daniel, if you're going to be faithful to God, if you're going to be a faithful follower of Jesus, you must penetrate the culture of Maslin, you must penetrate the culture of Tusla, you must penetrate the culture of wherever you're located, and you must work to preserve it, the good in it, and you must 
work to transform the ugly parts of it through spirit-empowered, loving service. If you're not doing that, you're not being faithful to Jesus. That is what will set apart God's people. That's what will enable us to have influence. That's what will enable us to have a listening ear with the people in this world. Daniel's, his spirit-empowered, loving service to the Babylonians and his spirit-shaped character was what, as verse 3 tells us, distinguished Daniel above everyone else. He was so faithful in his service to the kingdom. He was so faithful in loving his enemies that even when they tried to find some dirt on him, even when they tried to just throw him under the bus, verse, t- verse 4 tells us that they could find no charge or fault in this guy because he was what? Faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him and his characters. No errors in his service, no errors in his character. His life was salty, is yours. Could those things be said about your character, your actions, in your places of work, in your school, in your community? Are you working to preserve what is good? Are you fixing, working to fix what is broken through loving service? You know, a lot of people like to complain, don't they? A lot of people like to point out what's wrong. Few people like to work for a solution. Like Daniel, in the words of St. Francis of Assisi, are you an instrument of peace for the peace of your community or place of work? Check this out. Where there is hatred, are you bringing love? We talked about how, how in adult Sunday school, how do we live out the Sermon on the Mount? How do we put flesh on Jesus' most famous sermon, right? How do we put flesh on that? What does that look like? Where there is hatred, are you bringing love? Where there is malice, are you bringing pardon? Where there is discord, are you bringing harmony? Where there is error, are you bringing truth? Where there is doubt, are you bringing faith? Where there is despair, are you bringing hope? Where there is darkness, are you bringing light? Where there is sadness, are you bringing joy? Are you seeking not so much to be comforted as to comfort? To be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For, St. Francis of Assisi would tell us, it is in giving our lives that we shall find them. It is in forgiving that we shall be forgiven. It is in dying that we shall rise up to eternal life. A few months ago, with all the craziness that's been happening in our schools, Myself and two other pastors were invited to meet with a local principal of a local school to, to, to just have conversation about what can be done, right? And, of course, myself and the two other pastors, we had all kinds of great ideas of what could be done. And um, we were more than willing to give our suggestions and that, that sort of thing. 
However, and thankfully, God moved moved us this way. We chose not to share any of those ideas, but simply to listen to this administrator. To simply listen to what he was expressing in terms of the needs that he was seeing. Because after all, he was on the front lines day in and day out. Who are we to come in and say, this is what you should be doing? We were seeking to be Daniels. We were seeking to come alongside and to support, to penetrate the culture, to preserve it, and to work for change where things needed to be changed. But we weren't coming in just to, you know, this is our agenda and this is what needs to be done, right? You know, I've always admired my wife for a lot of reasons, but one reason in particular is how she has been a Daniel in every school district that God has placed her. She's fantastic. And what, what makes her so fantastic is she's there, she's there working, you know, wholeheartedly to love the children in her classroom. Um, she is fantastic with the staff and how she relates to them, how she cares for them, how they come to her with their stuff and their problems, and she loves them so well. She's open about her faith, but she's not trying to shove it down somebody's throat, right? She's unashamedly Christian. She doesn't participate in gossip, and when people start gossiping, she's real quick to remove herself from the conversation or change the topic of conversation, She has inside of her that excellent spirit, the spirit of God that is a beacon of light to the people that she works with. She's a Daniel. We need Daniels. Daniel's faithfulness was salty. Is your faithfulness salty? If it isn't, then you're not being faithful. Number two, Daniel's faithfulness didn't have an expiration date. I said that Daniel was probably around 15 years old when he was taken. Can you imagine being a 15-year-old taken out of your home forcibly and then having to live 900 miles away? It would just, I just can't even comprehend. Now in Daniel 6, guess what? Daniel's an old man. He's between 70 and 80 years old at this point. And what is he doing? He is still serving, still serving. Isn't that remarkable? He's still penetrating the culture to preserve it and to renew it. I think that's amazing. He's got one of the biggest jobs in all the empire. Remember, I've said this repeatedly through the sermon series. The Babylonian empire was the world's superpower of its day. He's got one of the most important roles for the glory in that empire, and he's still just lovingly serving for the glory of God where God has placed him. He is determined to finish the marathon of faith strong. You know, I, would, I imagine that it would have been really tempting for Daniel to say, hey, look, I've been serving this kingdom since I was 15 for 60 to 70 years. I've been serving God for all this time. I, I'm ready to get a condo on Easy Street. I'm done. I'm tapping out. 
I mean, he had outlasted multiple Babylonian kings. I mean, didn't God owe him some rest? I mean, after all, his mind wasn't as quick as it used to be. His body wasn't as strong as it used to be. Things were starting to break down. I mean, that's a good excuse, right? Daniel didn't have this attitude at all. He was determined to finish strong. He knew that his faithfulness to God didn't have an expiration date attached to it. Daniel knew that the Christian life was, as Eugene Peterson has said, and I love, he has a book after this title that it's on my pile to read. A long, he knew that the Christian life was a long obedience in the same direction. It wasn't a sprint, it wasn't even a 5K. He was the palm tree that we read about earlier in Psalm 92. Let me, let me read just a few verses from that psalm. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Check this out. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh in flourishing. To declare that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. We have quite a few baby boomers here in our congregation. Are you bound and determined to finish the race strong? I'm not saying you're on your last lap, but you're not on the front nine either, right? When the sun is setting on your life, may you be able to say with the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. May you hear from Jesus' lips as he looks you in the eye and holds you in your arms. Matthew 25, 21. Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Daniel's faithfulness was salty. It didn't have an expiration date. And thirdly and finally, it was tried and tested. You know, Daniel endured hardships that most of us will never even come close to experiencing. I've already talked about some of those hardships. You know, I... Not to mention he was nearly killed by the evil king that he was loving and he was serving. He saw his best friends thrown into a fire. And all of this didn't cause Daniel to become bitter. It just made him better. Through all of this, Daniel's faith, it increased. Through all of this, Daniel became stronger and stronger. When Satan was trying to do his best to destroy Daniel's faith, God was working to just make Daniel's faith grow. Satan was trying to wear out Daniel, but through the Spirit's power, Daniel endured. But, as we see in chapter 6, 
Daniel experienced the greatest test of his faith on the back nine, not the front nine. And that's another reason why it's so important to finish the marathon of faith strong. Because sometimes the greatest test of your faith journey will be at the end of your journey. And this is contrary to how we often think, isn't it? Uh, Sinclair Ferguson, he writes this. Daniel's experience runs counter to what we often assume is characteristic of Christian experience. In this respect, it is like Christ. His greatest test came toward the end of his spiritual pilgrimage, not at its beginning. We tend to assume that the great test in Christian experience occur in its early stages. That perspective fails to see one of the chief functions of temptation in God's plans. He means to strengthen us through our successful resistance to enable us to meet greater or more persistent tests in the future. Look, Satan doesn't care how old you are. Satan doesn't care if your mind isn't as quick as it used to be or your body's breaking down. He doesn't care. Satan doesn't care to give you a break. He is constantly seeking to devour. He's constantly seeking to lie. He's constantly seeking to away, and then he's constantly seeking to knock us off course. When we resist him, he doesn't just go away and then give up. He goes away to regroup, to come back and attack you. That's what he does. How many times have we heard of a servant of Christ who has faithfully served Jesus only on the back nine, you know, commit a, a horrible moral failure right at the end of their journey? Satan is relentless, and we must be relentless in our faith, too. So what was the test before Daniel? found here in chapter 6. What was this test? Well, the test was some of the other, you know, powerful people in Babylon, they didn't like that King Darius was really fond of Daniel and was looking to set him up over the entire kingdom. And so what they did is they all rallied against Daniel, tried to find dirt on Daniel to disqualify him in the eyes of King Darius so that he wouldn't get this position. They couldn't find any dirt on him because, again, he was upright in character, upright in heart, upright in actions. The only thing that they knew that would somehow get Daniel into trouble is they knew that Daniel was faithful to his God. And so they had to somehow use that against him. So what they did is they convinced King Darius to pass this law that in the next 30 days, no person could pray to a god or a man other than King Darius. And King Darius, he signs off on this law. It goes into effect. Back in that culture, you could not take a law back that you put into effect. Not even the king could do that. And so Daniel has a choice to make, doesn't he? Will he stop being faithful to God in prayer? Or will he continue pursuing intimacy with his Lord during the next 30 days? Now, I'm sure you can imagine, because I definitely can imagine, it would be really easy and tempting for Daniel just to say, hey, I just won't pray for the next 30 days. Right? I mean, it's 30 days. 
30 days out of a whole lifetime, that's not so bad. Some of us, I mean, yeah. So you could imagine it would just been a really easy thing for him just to be like, all right, I just won't pray for the next 30 days. It's not like, uh, you know, the law is forcing me to worship a false idol. It's not that bad. It's just I'm not, I just don't have to pray. You know, another thing is that Daniel knew, based on the prophecy of Jeremiah 25 and 29, that the 70-year period of exile is just about up. Soon, the Israelites would be allowed to go back to their homeland. I mean, you know, why, why rock the boat now when, you know, soon we're going to be going back home anyways? How tempting it must have been for Daniel to just say, I just, I just won't pray. But Daniel, he was so faithful to God. He was so in love with God. He was so utterly dependent on prayer that Daniel would rather die in obedience than live in disobedience. He'd rather be thrown into a den of lions than stop praying for 30 days. Isn't that remarkable? As verse 10 tells us, Daniel continued with his regular rhythm of praying three times a day. It was a life rhythm that he established when he was young. And sure enough, it landed him in the lion's den. But really, for Daniel... It was the angel's den, wasn't it? Because there was an angel of the Lord that came and shut the mouths of the lions. And Daniel that night slept more peacefully than King Darius slept in his palace. And what's interesting is God could have stopped any of this from happening. God could have stopped the people from, you know, trying to rally against Daniel to, to get him, you know, to look bad in the eyes of King Darius. God could have stopped that from happening. God could have stopped them from ever getting into a lion's den. God didn't stop it, though. Why? Because if Daniel trusted in God before the lion's den, just think about how much he trusted in God after the lion's den. You see, God will allow us to go through testing and trials because he wants us to see his power, his grace, his provision, his love, that he is perfectly strong in our weakness. And that's why he allows things like that to happen. And Daniel, and I'll close with this, Daniel was a a foreshadowing of another man. Another man, the God-man, who was thrown in a den of lions. You know, sort of, right? Even more so. This God-man, Jesus, like Daniel, was falsely, uh, you know, just accused. He was placed on a criminal's cross, he, you know, went through so much. And there was no angel of the Lord there for Jesus when he was crying out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken you? Utter darkness, utter aloneness. Why? For you. 
for me. So that we could be more than conquerors. So that we could overcome our sin. So that we didn't have to be thrown into the den of lions as a result in the, of our sin and the, for the consequences of our sin. Jesus was ultimately faithful. His, his, his faithfulness was salty in how he lived, right? Jesus, he was faithful to the end, and his greatest test came at the end, didn't it? The greatest test of his journey with God the Father came at the end when he experienced the cross. Jesus' faithfulness didn't have an expiration date, right? And so I encourage you this morning to be faithful to Jesus. You'll see, as he was to Daniel, he'll be faithful to you. He will get you through. He will make a way. If he has to shut the mouths of lions, he'll shut the mouths of lions. He is ultimately in control. You mothers here today that are weary and tired, keep being faithful. Keep being faithful to your family. Keep being faithful to your husband. Keep being faithful to your children. And ultimately keep drawing strength from God through prayer so that he can empower you to do what you have to do. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that you are the ultimate Daniel. That his story is, is a story that really foreshadows your death and resurrection. Lord, we thank you that when you were tempted and, and Satan was trying to knock you off course from the very beginning, right from the get-go, when your public ministry was starting, there you were in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights being directly tempted to be you know, to, to abort the course that, that the Father had you on by Satan himself. Lord, thank you that in any, at every single point when you could have used your power in a way that wasn't a part of the plan that you had worked out with God, the Father, that, that you resisted. At every point where you were tempted to give up and to just stop and just tap out, you didn't. Lord, it's because of your faithfulness that we can experience resurrection in our own lives, that we can experience your mighty power working in us, and we are so grateful for that. And Lord, I pray that understanding that and falling more and more in love with the story of your life, death, and resurrection, that it would give us the fuel we need to be faithful in return. Lord, we love you because you first loved us. Help us to be a Daniel today. Help us to be that light of the world, the salt of the earth that's penetrating the culture to bring, to preserve it and to bring renewal where renewal has to come. May we be a mighty force for you, Jesus, here at Abundant Life. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.